welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, my name is uh, Roy K. Roy Colgen, and I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Roy. Uh, I'm going to have to turn 200 degrees to be able to see everybody here. How are you? I have to apologize for not feeling well myself and uh, for not being able to attend more of the functions this weekend. But I'm better this morning, and I thought last night that I wouldn't even be able to move. So I thank you for your prayers, and thank you for being here. And above all, thank you for asking me to speak. Uh, it's one of the... People don't realize what we go through on the inside, do they? Does anybody realize what you go through on the inside? And and some and sometimes these personal uh, things with our fears, our ego, our all of those emotions, uh, uh, you know, tell us wonders about ourselves if we can listen. And we're lucky that we uh, have this malady that is an irresistible force to drive us to seeing what we really are. We're the lucky ones. We can't just put the plug in a jug. We can't just put the weed down. We can't just do this and, and uh, find through addiction to meetings and a socialized spirituality that we've off, we're off the substance or we're off the behavior. Uh, that for us is just the beginning. And then we see this uh, fearful prospect <laughs> of ourselves. <laughs> and we don't look fearful on the outside. We look together, a lot of us, most of us, look very much together. So I'm receiving my strength from your faces this morning and from God, who is our home and who is our leader. And I was just telling Indre from England that isn't it Great that if this truly were a work of man, <clears throat> one or more people would truly be indispensable <coughs> from the very beginning. <coughs> but since it is the work of God, None of us is indispensable. <coughs> God, I come to you in my weakness and with this throat and just pray that I may follow you with these dear people. <coughs> I'm willing not to speak and I'm willing to speak. Thy will, not mine, be done. 
Have you ever seen such thoughtful people? <laughs> Throat discs. <laughs> What kind of a time have you had <clears throat> while I get my voice back? Tell me what has struck you spiritually, a new breakthrough, whatever. It, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> I had the uh, the profound privilege of hearing uh, two first steps this weekend. And for me, a sex addict um, who has been a user of people, and particularly women, um, I heard the first step of two women this weekend. And... Uh, It um, it revealed to me my own my own abuse my own use and uh, and it gave me um, I don't it, it gave me the gift of, of seeing another human being um, who I've who falling to the category of people that I've used and. Uh, and it gave me an opportunity to to change my attitude, turn away from use, and I, I had an opportunity to share and and, and uh, to share their pain that they were giving away, and perhaps offer a little bit of my um, my hope, and uh, um, that's quite a trade-in to give up the give up the abuse and and be able to give away some some strength and hope and uh, I'm thankful for that thank you I have my voice back but I do want uh, I have heard of one thing that happened this weekend that I think is remarkable and that is the TV people would you choose a spokesman and just come up and take one minute to tell to tell us what you did Let me first say that I. <laughs> Hi, my name is Eric, and I'm a sexaholic, and I'm also a television addict. I really, 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 really don't want to be here and talking about this, but I have no other choice. I have no other option. Um, I heard somebody this weekend share that he was a television addict. <sighs> and I walked up to him after the, the meeting and I said you know, that I thought I had a problem with television and and then he he 
we were talking later on and he pointed out somebody else who said he had a problem with television and we started talking and we said, why don't we get together and talk? And I grabbed an essay meeting format and we had a meeting and it was the most profound spiritual experience since my first essay meeting. And We got together and we decided to start Television Addicts Anonymous. And uh, we're, we're hoping that through sharing with each other and through acknowledging our common problem that we can have, we can hope for recovery one day at a time. And what I found is that the people that I was talking with about this at this meeting, your experience, strength, and hope helps us acknowledging that all we have is one day. We just have to worry about today and staying sober from television today. We don't have to think about that 10 years from now and that we won't have watched television for 10 years. All we have to do is concern ourselves with today. And... I have to say that I was inspired by something that Roy passed on to us that he had written about image addiction and and acknowledging that I'm I have an addiction to images and television and that that's something that I have to surrender. Thank you. Thank you very much. I identify as as an image addict and television addict, too. Anybody else? uh, Any other hands? (laughs) You're not serious. (laughs) You know, it may be appropriate for me just to say a couple of comments on this. Uh, I did write a a manuscript that uh, deals with this in, in, in several of its chapters, and I researched the impact of the still black and white photograph on the human organism, psychologically and spiritually. And then I researched the impact of the moving picture, black and white, silent moving picture on the human organism, totally divorced from content, just the impact of the change in reality that the human race has undergone, the the reality shift that the image revolution has produced in the ecology of the human race. The shift into image-driven reality is the greatest ecological shift the human race has ever known. The Neolithic Revolution, where man learned stone tools, then metal tools, then the Industrial Revolution, then writing, reading, you know, printed matter, the Gutenberg Revolution, these are nothing compared to the fact that I call it the reality revolution, that due to being image-driven, our concept of reality has changed. And for us as sexaholics, what does that mean? That's not an abstract. That means a reality of a person. That means the reality of person-to-person intercourse has shifted, not through any fault of our own. We are cultural victims. I'm a cultural victim of the image-driven culture, but my response to my environment, 
and my culture was driven by my own perversion, by my own need for, for being isolated from God and others. And so, <laughs> who could ever believe that we'd be sitting here in Sexaholics Anonymous with our sobriety definition? And uh, in the largest convention ever, and I'm scary, I'm scary always of bigger is better, because I don't believe in that. But here, that we keep growing. And not only that, but from what I gather, our philosophy or our concept of what we need is strengthened over time and clarified without hurting anybody, without it from the inside out. We slowly, we slowly learn these things. Um, I've got somebody back there who, this is time, by the way, I had a subject given to me, the steps. And so uh, I'm going to launch into this as best I can, and then somebody's going to wave back there when, when my time is up, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, the title I came up with when they gave me the subject was The Principles of Recovery, The Narrow Road to Life. Why don't I call it The Steps? First of all, step 12 calls all of this principles. I think at times we can get so bound up with the school book approach to the steps one, two, three, four, that we lose the idea that these are spiritual principles that cut across all time and all races and all of humankind, as far as we know back in civilization, and have been distilled in these steps in our time in a marvelous breakthrough in history, in God's self-disclosure to the human race. And he did it outside of stained glass, organ choirs, and pulpiteering vanity. So, what I would like, what I did uh, when I was thinking about this was, how can I approach this subject without naming steps, and without just reading the steps as they are, and making them live as they live in my life, as imperfectly as they do. And I am not uh, the best versed in these steps or in any other aspect of this program, thank God. I learn from everybody. So what I did was, I said, see, first of all, have you ever thought about changing the wording of the steps? I... I, I have, you know. <laughs> I see some other analytical minds here who've gone through the same exercise. And you know what? I've never been able to improve. There's only one little doubt, and then in six and seven shortcomings and defects, I say, why didn't they use the same word? Because Bill said, well, I just wanted to use a different word. They're the same, th same concept, you know, in step six and seven. But I think it's better the way it is. I can't, I can't improve on it. But what I have to do is bring that principle into my being, incorporate it into a changed attitude. And so uh, I'm going to speak to you. I'm just going to read off what I have uh, written as what I have to do today. Sometimes I don't do this today. But what I have to do today to maintain recovery and to keep connected with God and other people. 
And there is no such thing for me as being connected to God and being disconnected with other people. How many Essenons are here in this audience? Okay. And we have some people that don't identify with Essenons that are in the audience, and they aren't SAs either. And that's okay, because this is an open meeting. Um, I just want to reiterate that I have no greater recovery. Forget sobriety. Sobriety is the sine qua non, without which not, of recovery, just the beginning of recovery. I have no greater recovery than I have with my wife and with you in my relations to you, in relations to my wife and children. And if I, if I can't improve my recovery, I am fast up for a slip. A couple of years ago, uh, I, I was seduced into a way of thinking that just had me on that beautiful road toward a slip. Anyhow, principles of recovery, the narrow path to life. I was inspired by what someone says on this subject. It's a very profound and meaningful analogy that some of you may recognize. And he says, enter in at the narrow gate. Because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be who go in thereat. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few there be who find it. So it's not the narrow road to life, it's a narrow path to life. Here in L.A., you know, we are freeway-driven. And uh, many of us come into this program, as we come into self-help groups or group therapy or psychoanalysis or counseling or medicine or whatever. And there it is. It's the broad path. It's well-lighted, the freeway. We can go fast. We get in our cars. That's... But the spiritual program is not the freeway. It's not even a paved highway. And i got to get out of my car. <laughs> and I'm in California. No car. I've got to get off at the next exit. If I'm going to a destination, get out and get on foot. And find the narrow path that is not paved. And that's why so many, that's why we have so many people who, who leave SA. You see, there are many, many thousands more who come into SA than who get sober. Forget about staying in SA. Just, just make it. And can, discover the narrow gate. And then the narrow gate, uh, you can't see it. And the mountain path is rough, and there's no, quite often you can't see the way ahead. And it may be, and it's not lit artificially. It is only lit by the footsteps of those who have gone before. Once in a while, we hear the footsteps of someone ahead of us. Once in a while, we see the rustle in the bushes. Once in a while, we see a form, and we follow after. It's the narrow way, and few find it. Few of us will find the narrow way. Now, listen to the difference. The wide way leads to destruction. We're not talking about physical death here. Sure, you know, we can uh, 
I picked up a rusty nail in my acting out. And uh, that could have done me in. We're not talking about physical death. What I'm talking about is that our illness is a life and death matter. And we go into our meetings sometimes and we, find, and we don't believe this at all. We act and talk and share and lead meetings and design formats and sponsor people as though this is not a life and death matter. And I'm not speaking about physical life. Spiritual death. Spiritual death. In the height of my religious activism, I was spiritually dead and didn't know it. And in this conference, I discovered a new defect. And I believe with all my heart that one of the true hallmarks of recovery is a progressive awareness of our defective self. That's a paradox. You'd think it'd be the opposite, opposite, wouldn't you? We're children of God. We come from the hand of God. The better we get, the better we see we are, right? I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. That's the way I thought before I came into the program. If these steps, if your sponsor, if your group, if your connection with the 12-step movement doesn't lead you into a more profound revelation of your intrinsic wrongness, then you haven't entered the narrow gate and you're not on the narrow path. That broad path is so seductive. I mean, all kinds of traveling and it's fast and it's a lot of good people and it's really neat. Civilization. And the narrow, the thing I discovered was, uh, I was reading this morning in my quiet time about the father of lies. I just happened to run across it and I hadn't seen that for a while. Boy, it got my attention. And it suddenly dawned on me. One of the intrinsic wrongnesses, perversions of my life is the deceitfulness of what I am and what I try to be to other people. This keeps me from myself. That means I'm not on the path to light. That means if I don't see this and if I, if I see this on the path and then want to take a diversion and don't want to face it and just keep going ahead. Because when I see this new defect, that I'm a liar, in the very warp and woof of my soul, for some odd reason, I've come to the place where I see that I live a lie. That's why I have to make amends. That's why I have to work the steps. That's why I have to work these principles. That's why this principle has to be incorporated. And the beautiful thing about God's kingdom, <laughs> the beautiful thing about this is that this is the basis of my connection with God. This is the basis of my connection with God. <laughs> and that the more I see defective about myself, the more is my continuing compelling need for the real connection. And the beautiful thing about recovery is that the more I see about steps 4 through 10, the wrongs in my life, the more I see 
the better that connection gets. How can that be? How can that be? I see, I can be a better person today by getting victory over those defects. That doesn't mean they aren't there. That doesn't mean that an intrinsic wrongness still isn't there that I'm slowly beginning to see. And I think we'll, we'll continue to see. I don't know when or if that will ever stop. Thank God. Because this thing drives me. This is the powerlessness, you know. Every one of these break, breakthroughs into seeing the truth about myself is the first step. Principle. Hitting me again. Get off the freeway. Get out of your car. And find the narrow path. The narrow gate. And the narrow gate for me today, and I want to thank you, if you weren't here, and if some of you weren't here that I don't like, naturally. Is there anybody here that, where there's nobody you don't like? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just wondering, because I was afraid I might be the only one. But thank God, because I see all those defects so clearly in your life. I mean, boy, I mean, you know. And, um, If it weren't for that, uh, I wouldn't get to know him better. Because our God, the God of the sexaholic, apparently, I mean, from all we're beginning to learn, through our experience, is the one who wants to come in and lift and take on himself all of that wrong. And all of that stuff that we began to see and give us victory over it. That's why the third step prayer. Take away these difficulties. Take them away. Six and seven. God, take them away. And yet the third step prayer says, how does it define taking that away? They're excised, thrown away? No. That victory over them may bear witness to those we want to help. So this is the marvel of, of life. You see, versus destruction, versus death. Just knowing who I am, knowing who we are. Uh, how much time do I have, Doreen? Five minutes. Okay. I never got to read my, my steps to you. Maybe I'll just do them now. It'll take me five minutes to read these. And, and as I read them, uh, what I did something else. But it is so good to be with you here. And to uh, be weak, not be able to put two thoughts together, <laughs> and not be indispensable, and not be something that I, you know, I, I think I have to be. It's always my temptation, fear and trembling when I come into these things, especially if I have to speak. I did something else. Once I wrote down what that principle challenges me today, then I had to say, I wonder if I can put this into one word. Now, some of you are going to get on my case when I read these. You're going to, some of the order is a little jumbled. Some are put together and there's other stuff in there. But what you see is what you get. <laughs> you ready? Okay, here we go. Notice all of these are in the present tense. Admit I am powerless over lust. 
that my sex, sexuality, orientation, and relational misconnection are perverted and unmanageable. I can't just say uh, powerless over lust. Because now, today, I see what I'm really powerless over. I'm misoriented to that beautiful woman there sitting next to that that guy. Kurt will have to tell you about the inside on that. And the, what's the one word for me that, that distills into? Dying. I've got to die. That's what's rough about getting off the freeway and finding the path. I have to die. Next, know that I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sexual and relational sanity. What's the one word? Needing. That's the ego deflation at death. I need, I, the center of the universe, where everything revolves around my life. Need. Needing. Next. Turn my will, life. Generic terms, right? What does it mean? Sex, sexuality, orientation, and relationships over to the care of God. Surrendering. See and tell the truth of myself in the light of those who are recovering and write a moral inventory of myself. In the light of those who are recovering. Seeing. The one thing we don't want to do is see the truth about ourselves. And if there's anything that will kick you off of the narrow path, it's going to be seeing that frightening thing that you cannot you absolutely cannot and will not face. And it's not about me or your father or your mother or somebody else. It's it's about you. That's the monster we're running from, from the wild elephant. Share this inventory with another recovering person. Exposing. Bring God into each defective character that is revealed asking that it be removed, and continue bringing it into the light of others and God until I am released from its power over me. Cleansing. Make direct amends to all persons I have harmed, except when doing so would injure them or others, and continue looking at where I am wrong and promptly amending it. Changing. That's where the change comes in. These, the amend is uh, uh, that, that uh, ninth and especially the tenth step. You know, it's kind of easy to get those old ninth steps in the past out of the way, eight and nine. But boy, the tenth step is today. That's, cha- that's where I change. And I have to die to, to do that. Ask for the willingness to forgive all persons guilty of real or imagined wrongs against me and forgive each one. Forgiving. That's the killer. 
Are you powerless over forgiving like I am? Then there's a power that can give us that grace. And he does. Receive God into each fantasy and temptation to lust, misconnection, resentment, fear, etc. Into the very temptation itself while it's happening. Instead of acting God or thinking out, letting God in. Receiving. That's the beauty of, of, of being having this intrinsic wrongness. That's, that's the beauty of being a, a lustaholic. That's the beauty of our condition. That's how we receive God. That's how I do my 11th step. That's how I... That's how I learn, that's how the connection begins to happen, conscious contact, in our temptations. Now you can go on staying in your temptation and just letting it wear out if you want, instead of bringing him in right on the spot. Today I bring him in and that's a great freedom and joy, and getting to know the one who's there. See, this spiritual awakening isn't a single thing. Maybe for some people it was. Even for Bill W., that white light did not last. The spiritual awakening is every time. I'm powerless over lust, resentment, fear, ego, lying, the deceitfulness of my nature, and bring him in and find victory over it. Join with others in helping other pseudo-sexuals, little broader term there, find this God who is saving me from my lust and myself. Giving. Seek through prayer and meditation to improve my connection with others and God. Notice the inverted order there. I can't do it any other way. Praying. And finally, make these principles a way of living, taking the actions of love especially when the feeling of love is absent, to improve my relations with others. Our God, we come to you today, and we thank you for breaking through into history, into a culture that is alien to your life, that does not know the narrow way, for calling us to the light, to the narrow path and to the suffering, the roughness, the difficulty, the tryingness that results. And we thank you that you are there and are blessing us all the time. Thank you. Thank you, Roy, very much. My name is Mike, and I'm recovering sexaholic. We come to the closing session. This is a time of recovery, healing, and gratitude. This is an open joint SA function.
The chairs are on the stage so that if you wish to come up and speak, you can take one of the chairs and you can move down. Uh, the person at this end will be the first speaker. The conference committee requests that you state your name, identify your addiction, and state your length of sobriety. The conference committee asks that in your sharing, you focus on recovery and healing and gratitude, living in the solution, not living in the problem. No puking or dumping. And I can say that because I am a puker and a dumper, and I'm powerless over them. Personal problems are best discussed with your sponsor or with a partner in recovery. And I'd like to begin with my own gratitude. Again, I'm Mike. I'm a sexaholic. I have a little over seven months of continuous sexual sobriety, and for that I am grateful to God and to the fellowship. But I've been coming to SA for six and a half years. And when I first came to SA, the idea of sponsorship at the meeting I went to in Alhambra was a mystery. And I was allowed to puke and dump for years. I've had the opportunity now of being challenged. And about a year ago, you've heard the name Jonathan a lot and North Hollywood and all that. All they're doing is handing on what has been given to them and following the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And a couple of individuals who have a strong AA background had courage in those meetings to stand up and say, we're on the wrong road. And they came up to me several times in love. And they held up a mirror to me and allowed me to see that my program was not working. And I fled that meeting in fear because my addict inside said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear recovery. I want to manipulate you and control you. And I'm very good at it. But I don't have to do that today. And so my joy, my hope, and my recovery today is that there are some hard-ass people who are willing to be that reflection and not listen to my crap and challenge me. When am I going to finish that step? Oh, do it by Monday. Do it by Tuesday. And the other thing that's worked for me, about nine months ago, I only had a couple of days and then a couple of weeks, and someone came up to me and said, Call somebody who has less time than you, a newcomer or somebody else, and on the phone say, how can I keep you sober today? And stop thinking about myself, because when I think about myself and worry about the problem, then I don't recover. But the lifeblood of the program are the newcomers. And when I reach out to them, I'm not thinking about myself. I am grateful to God because SA has saved my life. It truly has. And I'm grateful to God for all of you because you're walking and trudging with me on the road of happy destiny. Thank you very much.
Hi, I'm John, a very gratefully recovering sexaholic from Boston, and I've been sober since November 29th of 93, and for that, I'd just like to share that I've had a very brief but profound ex- spiritual experience just a few moments ago. I know that as Roy was speaking, I was given the gift, the grace, I like to call it, by my higher power of being able truly to forgive my father from my heart. I know that. I've tried to make amends to him in different ways, but I know something deeper was given to me. And I know that not having been able to do that up until now is why I have never been able to accept male authority figures or strong men, and why I bristle every time I've heard at these conferences some of the stronger male leaders of our fellowship speak. Uh, And I was given the gift, the grace of being able to let go of something that has been poisoning my soul, Uh, and that's what my God has given me for this weekend. I was wondering what it was up until that moment, but now I know, and I'm grateful to God, to Roy, and to all of you for that gift. Thank you. Um, The one thing I'd like to share with you this morning is that um, three of us sat at breakfast this morning, we did a 10-step on one the one thing that uh, was the most important thing, if I take one meeting out of this whole weekend and summarize what would it be, looking in retrospect. <clears throat> and um, my wife pointed out so graciously as she does that you know, that talent showed to me, to us, shows us where a chance of where I've come from and what I can be. You know, if I choose to be an opera singer, I can have that. I can have that 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 choice today, and that's by the grace of this program. That shows me that promises are coming to true in other people's lives, and that hope that it gives me. And I want to thank those people for all the work that they put in to do that show. Thank you very much. My name is Mike. I'm a sexaholic from Pacifica, California. <clears throat> I'm very happy to be here. I feel blessed to have this opportunity to share with you. I did not want to come here. I'm in another 12-step program, and I know it all. <laughs> and I knew how to do the steps. As a matter of fact, I'm sponsoring someone in SA right now, and I'm flattered beyond belief. You know, someone who really thinks I'm terrific, and he's starting to convince me that I'm terrific. <laughs> I, uh, I met two or three key people uh, this weekend. I won't mention their names, um, but I spoke at length with each of them. And um, through talking with them, one in particular, uh, nothing that I did this weekend was planned ahead of time, including, as I said, the fact that, I, that I'm here even. Um, I was convinced to do a first step. So I did my first step yesterday. Uh, with uh, with no forethought except uh, an intensive uh, uh, examination of my past and a, a thorough sharing with the group. I just want to share uh, and let any newcomers who happen to be here 
know that it really does work. All I've had to do was to show up and be willing. And when I wasn't willing, all I had to do was to ask my higher power to give me the willingness to be willing. Thank you very much. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Kurt. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, uh, Roy asked if uh, for people to, to um, if they had any uh, profound uh, spiritual experience when they were at the conference, and I hadn't until uh, just now. I had a great time. I met a lot of wonderful people. I met a lot of people that uh, re-met all the people that I've known for uh, eight and a half years and through the conferences and, and around the country. And I got to hug a lot of people and it felt really, really good. And I enjoyed the, uh, the entertainment and Lee and, uh, but I didn't have a spiritual, uh, experience until just now when it occurred to me that like a father and son, uh, S.A. and A.A. are uh, are, and we are not A.A. And this is a wonderful beginning. Thank you very much. Um, I'm Elizabeth Ann, and I'm a sex hike. Just had a wonderful spiritual experience of seeing Roy and Kurt hug each other. This has moved me profoundly. Um, the strength of this program is very moving. Is this on? Uh, it, it's not reverberating today. Um, From 15 people to 350. <sighs> Jess's talk this morning, um, you know, he, he hit me to my core. I was going to pull out a 20 last night, and I decided, oh, no, no, I better have this to take my girlfriend to lunch, and I pulled out a 10. Well, uh, you yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I came here like a baby, and I had all these problems, and I had <laughs> this concern and that concern, and all my little um, baby feelings in my uh, in my belly, and uh, you know, just just was right. You know, the key the key is the service, and I and I came here wanting to offer some more service, and I think. Um, I've got an idea on that, and I'm going to pursue that later. Um, but I found my weakness in wanting to be invisible. I mean, this was a new character defect that I hadn't really realized until I had to do the chips the other night, and nobody was going to rescue me. Um, so I'm, just, I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to be sober, and I do... Um, Plan on trying to be less visible in the program and do more service. Thank you all. Hi, I'm Frank. I'm a sexaholic and I'm also a television addict. I'm one of those. And um, I think for me, 
one of the most profound uh, experiences of this weekend was making a connection with some other people whose drug of choice is uh, is television. And uh, for some of you, it may be hard to see television as an addiction or a poten- potential addictive force, but take it from me, uh, it can be. And for me, it, it has been for many, many years. And I, I think it's my primary addiction. I think it's, for me, a much bigger um, usurper of my time and my potential and my life than anything else. I've struggled with it for years. I've acknowledged at different levels that I had a real problem for many years. But to come to a meeting like this where people are seeking to learn to surrender their will and their life to God and to talk about that in terms of our television addiction and to experience that same feeling of connection and hearing other people share about their experience, strength, and hope in this area was just very, very powerful for all of us. And to see that I'm not alone with this problem, I'm not the only one, and uh, that I can, we can have a program, and we can draw experience, strength, and hope from each other, and we can learn to get freedom from the tyranny of the tube. And uh, I don't know what that means for me yet. I have not reached the point where I'm completely willing to let go of the idea that I can control and enjoy a little bit of TV. What I did decide to do today, and I think it was a good decision, and I hope I can stick with it. One of my big problems is I make decisions and then I don't follow through them. But my decision was to try and experiment of limiting myself to one one one-hour show a week uh, that I will watch with my wife, one of the shows we enjoy. And that's it. And if I go out of the lines, and I've set limits before and not been able to stick with them, so i got to remember, if I go out of the lines and watch anything else, then that's it. It's back to abstinence. And I went through a period of four months of total TV abstinence recently, and it was incredible. And uh, the benefits are great. So I'm hoping that some of you other people uh, can join us and, and maybe... Uh, share your experience, strength, and hope with us as we start this baby uh, 12-step program up. So thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name is Bob, and I'm a sexaholic. And I've been um, sexually sober for six months and um, three weeks, and I'm um, powerless over my emotions right now. Um, I'm on, um, step nine and, um, I asked my wife, um, what I could do to make amends to, um, not just her, but, um, to women in general. And, um, she responded with work your program and, um, recognize and embrace the pain and anguish that she was going through. And um, I've shared that with um, every sponsoree that I've got. In addition to that, um, something that Roy said in the um, Rochester, New York um, area was that um, learn how to love your wife if you're married. 
can uh, include her in your program and pass it on. Um, in yesterday's uh, fourth step session, uh, people shared um, who they share their inventory with, and um, um, I thought, um, okay, well, I'll connect the dots here. And um, what I did was something that I just did not want to do, and that was um, yesterday I shared my um, um, inventory of fears with her, and um, it... Um, uh, I never shared that with um, anybody, and um, it was. Um, I'm just very, very grateful um, to have done that and to be here. Thank you. I'm Paul. I'm a sexaholic. Um, my main reason for coming up here is that I wanted to see everybody. <laughs> Someday I'll be able to just come up here and not say anything, but uh, I don't have that capacity yet. I'm grateful for uh, so many people that I know that are like me um, and that it was everything that you could do this morning to get out of your room and be amongst other people. Um, I've had to overcome so much shyness just to be able to, you know... Um, so much shame and everything just to be able to be here, much less get up here and stand in front of you and know that I'm safe and know that uh, you love me. Um, I'm grateful for the strength that I see here and the sobriety, um, the focus on sobriety, um, the strength in that I've been in several meetings while I've been here where something hasn't gone quite right. Some Somebody has gone off the sharing, somebody... Uh, was there who uh, didn't quite belong there, and somebody stood up and and talked about it, and uh, very gently and non-judgmentally, with and with courage, said, "This isn't right. Let's change this. Let's make it right." And uh, it was beautiful because it wasn't the leader; it was just somebody who saw something wrong, saw something that needed to be done. And I've been sitting here resenting for I've been in the program for about a year um, in Seattle, um, resenting this meeting and that meeting and this isn't right this is sick and i just go home and i complain about it and that's all i do i just complain and i haven't done a thing about it and um now i'm gonna do it so uh you know you're inspiring me so and also uh people from down here um a few people we we I came in and talked about uh, this group that we're forming up in Seattle, uh, working the new principles book study, kind of North Hollywood format kind of thing. Um, I was talking to somebody, you know, just mentioned it. I got maybe half a sentence out, and he just pounced on me, you know, just, you know, how can I help? What? Let's meet and um, let's go have, let's have lunch together. Let's talk about it. And he shows up at lunch with uh, 10 of his friends and then we have a meeting together later. And and we've got uh, like 15 people from his groups there and just everybody just pulled around us to show us how to do this. I mean, immediately, we didn't have to ask, you know, I was just making conversation, you know, and <laughs> he just... They just smothered us with love and support, and uh, that's what this program is all about. You know, service, service, service. And um, thank God. Hi, my name is Denise. I'm a sexaholic. 
and I have just over six months of sobriety. And what I need to say today is, um, well, first of all, this has been a really great conference. It's my first conference that I've gone to, and it's been so positive. It's 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 what I need, you know, to to see the positive side rather than all the dumping and stuff. And um, what my friends keep telling me is that they're going to keep loving me until I can learn to love myself. And this is what I have learned this weekend is that some strangers have come up to me and said, "Hey, you know, I love you." I'm or not even saying it, but just showing it and that's so great to be able to come to a group of people I don't know but who are my family nonetheless and and I know you guys are going to love me until I can finally learn to at least like myself or something so um, this is this is really great for me and also um, this weekend is the first time I can remember ever speaking in front of a mic so this is a wonderful experience for me I'm going to be outgoing pretty soon so anyways thanks <laughs> Hi, my name is Sexaholic, and my problem is Ron. <laughs> I, I can't take credit for that. I heard that in an AA meeting. Um, I had a real spiritual experience this weekend, and uh, it's been good for me to come to this, this conference after... Um, the Christmas that I that I had, or the Christmas that I didn't have, and uh, my grandmother, who had been the center of my family for years, uh, she had passed away uh, around Christmas time of '93, and so my family's back in Ohio, and I guess I went back there with the anticipation that I would uh, uh, walk into a family environment, or at least the family that I had pictured in my head. And I had some expectations of of my dad and, and my aunts and that they could fill the shoes of my grandmother, who was really the primary member that I got the love that I needed from. And what I experienced was that uh, I had to go to a 12-step meeting to find the love that I needed back in Ohio. And uh, what I'm still feeling today is the loss of the family of my head. And... Um, my spiritual experience this weekend was when I walked into the banquet Friday night. A lot of you guys that I haven't seen in a while came up to me and gave me the love that I needed and the love that I need today. And, um, I mean, like, like the reading says about finding a home that, uh, this weekend, I realized that I found a home, and I, I found the love that I need here in in SA. And I want to thank you for loving me, and Wayne, I want to thank you for whispering in my ear that you love me. Thanks. Hi, my name's Catherine. I'm a sexaholic. I've been from everywhere. Right now I'm from Olympia, Washington. My sobriety day. Grace God and the Fellowship of SA. Um, I, this is my breakout meeting at the conference. I really didn't get to be with you in a smaller meeting. Um, 
But I did need to say thank you, first of all, uh, to God, my higher power, uh, to Sylvia, because about, it wasn't, but about three or four weeks ago, I was having a belated long talk with my sponsor. And, uh, she said, isn't there any way you can go to the conference? And, uh, those of you who know me know that, um, my family and I have been through a very difficult financial period, which I'm hoping is drawing to a close. But uh, there was just no way, you know, my human power was going to uh, propel me to this conference. And um, I had the nerve to ask three intergroups for money to get here, you know. And uh, it was a little humbling, but uh, do you know, one group said, oh, we can't give you this amount. We're going to give you that, you know, which was more. And it was just, it was, it just was so wonderful, you know, to be loved like that. Because a lot of times I don't feel that I'm really worth it. I mean, I really don't. But, uh, and I always have to have an excuse like, oh, well, I'll do service work when I get there. You know, it's not enough for me to just come and enjoy it. No, I'll, I'll serve you and, you know, I'll do this. So, so I did my service work yesterday, but, uh, I also need to send away uh, service temptations. Uh, I am, you know, I hear the TV addicts talking about their powerlessness over TV. Well, I am powerless over service, and I get I get into an altered state giving service sometimes. And and, and you know, I I, I uh, neglect uh, family and friends. I you know, I, I I don't look after my own needs. I really get like that. So I just want to say to those of you who would who would like. You know, Catherine to give service in a real big way. I need to give service in a small way and, and let someone else do some, some big service job in this fellowship because, because I've done it, you know, and, and, and we need to practice the principle of rotation and follow our traditions, especially those of us who know better. <laughs> um, but I'd also, uh, uh, like to give thanks to my husband, Danny, who's, uh, really tolerated <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, he has driven my daughter and me up to, um, Federal Way, which is about a 50-minute drive every Saturday until fairly recently. He organizes his work schedule so I can get to my meeting because I have to have you people, you know. Uh, I, I tried coasting for a while. I tried one of those other S programs when I got to Olympia because I was so uh, devastated by the SA that was in Seattle. And uh, after about three weeks, I said, you know, you're nice people. I know you mean well, but you're not my people. You know, so uh, so we started this this uh, North Hollywood format, and uh, we think it's wonderful. And I just wanted to close by saying, um, I got this uh, punk rocker on the phone from Olympia. He calls me up, and he's like, "Yeah, well, tell me about your program, you and your band aid solutions to problems." You know, and this guy had had pretty serious problems, and uh, I did my best Nazi imitation over the phone and was telling him about the program. And I thought, I'm going to scare you to death. And you know what he says? I'll go to a meeting. And then he said, well, what keeps you coming back? And I guess it's that I need to see you people doing the same thing that I'm doing, and especially the old-timers. So old-timers, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, you know, we need to keep coming back because sometimes it's like, why am I doing this? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth the trouble to drive to the meeting or to do whatever or to sponsor the people? Do I really have something? And even if I don't feel like it, I know you do. So if you show me, you're you're the mirror that I need. So keep coming back. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name's Ralph, and I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Ralph. 
I've been sober since the 20th of October of 1994. Um, I'm not a maverick. This isn't easy. Um, you know, I don't like standing up here um, being the center of attention. Um, but um, I realized this might be my only chance to say thank you. Um, I was given something on a, um, a copy piece of paper, and um, it's a series of five questions. I, I would like to ask you, and you can respond if you want. And I don't know who or whomever was responsible for this, but it's been instrumental in uh, the period of sobriety that I had, along with a, a few people that um, really... Um, have just helped me helped me out a lot and um, um, the questions go like this um, are you willing to admit that you're powerless over lust do you desire sobriety for the next 24 hours <clears throat> are you willing to do whatever is necessary to protect this desire for sobriety um, do you realize at the end of this period you are free to, at the end of this 24 hour period you are free to choose this sobriety for another day or go another way this is the one that always kills me. Are you willing with me to hand over your life and your will to the care of the one who kept you sober yesterday and protected you from the full consequences of your lust in the past? Thank you. I'm Mike. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, the conference committee wants this to go to 1230 so that all the people here will have a chance to speak, but uh, we won't have a chance for more than that. Thank you. My name is Nick. I'm a sexaholic and a co-addict. And um, I'm having a 12-step experience now. Um, this is my first one, but I had a spiritual awakening, and I want to give it away. I just attended my first um, Essanon meeting a few minutes ago. And um, yesterday I heard at another meeting, a sponsor's meeting, why I asked, someone asked a question, why are people slipping? I mean, if there's a, a hole in the boat, why doesn't everybody rush to fix the hole? And, and I don't know. I, I can't answer it for all of SA, but I can answer it for me. My experience a few minutes ago was there's a hole in my boat and I can't stop the leak. But I found some Essanons that can. They can help me with it. And um, I want to thank you all for reducing my shame and increasing my hope here at the conference. Thank you. My name is Keith. I'm a happy sexaholic. Uh, I'm sober, sexually sober since uh, October the 16th, 1989, and I have television sobriety of just over a year. And uh, I am uh, <clears throat> multiply addicted, and uh, I mood alter with images. And uh, my addiction to pornography and masturbation uh, was always fueled by images. Um, I believe what Roy said, and I heard that him say that several years ago, and I realized then the power of images, and also independent of content, that I can watch extremely educational programs on TV and still mood alter. And I can finish. Uh, I know it's an addiction because my, on my last television slip, <clears throat> when I shut the, when I saw the black screen, when I turned the, the dial off, I experienced the same emptiness that I experienced after mood altering with others, with other uh, addictive behaviors and substances. And uh, I, I have to, to say this for myself. In order to maintain, my sobriety is about my whole person. If I mood alter with anything, I cease to be sober, and I, I can't live unsober today. I, I uh, 
I'm grateful for the pro for the program. I'm grateful for Los Angeles. I'm very grateful to my sponsor. And since he's not here to tell the story, I'll have to tell it for him. He walked into his living room one day with a 10-pound sledgehammer while he was watching TV and put the sledgehammer through the television set. And uh, that I had to do that inside myself to get freedom. So thank you, thank you for listening to me. Hi, I'm Jean. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, my higher power sent me up here to say something about progress, not perfection. And it seems so simple and so obvious. And I thought, this is stupid. And he said, get up there anyway. So here I am. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it was what Jess L. said this morning about um, something Patrick Carnes had said regarding the difference between AA sobriety and SA sobriety that... You know, with uh, three years of sobriety in AA, you've got a real person that's out there to, you know, go out there and get something done. And with SA sobriety, you've got three years of sobriety and you got a nothing. And um, I don't even have three years of sobriety, and yet I've been spending a lot of time recently doing the should thing. You know, I should be, I should do, I should have, and I know better than that. I, I've been shooting on myself, and that's not okay to do. Um, but, and I don't take credit for that either. It's an AA friend of mine. <laughs> but, you know, um, I need to be gentle with myself. I'm, I don't know what's best for me. God knows what's best for me. Uh, God made me to, um, to grow this way, to, grow in it in a definite developmental way it wasn't supposed to happen just like that and i need to to realize that it's not going to happen today and it's not going to happen tomorrow but i can do what i can do today or tomorrow i can take the step i can go to the meeting i can call my sponsor i can be of service i can work the steps and um when my higher power is ready to call me home then I'll be there, and he'll be the one that gives me perfection. I can't give that to myself anyway. I'm powerless. No, I'm just I'm just a servant, um, and uh, it's up to me to look at myself in a humble way and and forget about my expectations. Uh, it, it's and I thank you for accepting me just the way I am. You've never put any of those shoulds on me. That's what I've done to myself. Uh, thank you for loving me just the way I am. And um, thank you for helping me to focus on the progress and, and forget the perfection. There is no perfection. That's, that's just God. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jerry. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And uh, three years ago at the Flushing Conference, I stood at the tape table uh, wondering if I should spend 26 or $28 for a set of tapes. And uh, finally I realized that I should do it. I needed to do it. And those tapes have really blessed me. I just share that with you and I check with my sponsor. Uh, because I, I, if any of you are hesitating, those tapes, the tapes have really helped me in my sobriety. I once asked my sponsor, why was it a little bit easier? And he said, because you're never that far away from uh, a meeting. You're never far away from a phone call, from reading or listening to a tape. And the tapes have been really vitally important to me. I wanted to thank Barry for making me a uh, partner in recovery and uh, gently forcing me into that, as he does. It's been really interesting to work with some people. I thought it might be first step and second step, but mostly it's been eighth and ninth step. And 
that's a tremendous thing to know that people are making the eighth and ninth steps, you know, and to be blessed that way too. Finally, if any of you found a little silver round thing at the mass yesterday, oh, I misplaced it. Uh, it's just not a. It's just a, about an inch tall. All right, you can see me. Thanks. Hi, I'm Violet. I am recovering from sex and love addiction, and I am also lucky to be an SNL member. <laughs> Had two years of sobriety in um, Sexaholics Anonymous and seven months in SNL. Um, one of those lucky people that have two addictions at a time. I want to say that um, this conference gave me two things. Acceptance for myself to confront everybody I say I am. Um, from both sides, you know, I, I belong in both places. Um, when I started going to Isanon, I, um, I felt weird, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm the perpetrator here. And, um, my father was a sexaholic, so I obviously, um, qualified, but I also married a sex addict. So, hey, there I go. And the acceptance for me today is that I can have lunch and dinner with both people and I really see it from both sides and it's really interesting. And the other thing that I I come to accept is that um, I have Italian and Spanish background, you know, and I love drama. I love opera, drama. And I love to stay in the problem. So this really um, got me like a slap. You know, I really need to stay in the solution. And I'm really thankful for that. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.